Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome to Big at Night, Jay Binkley, with Julio Sanchez once again. You got that ear flapping up over there, uh, Julio. Uh, yeah, I still haven't quite got settled yet. You know. Well, that's what I—it's going to do that the whole time. That's what it did to me the other night. So you're setting me up for failure, is what you do? Well, no, I just—that's what I was down to the other night. You mean after you destroyed two, two pairs of? Yeah, yeah, I broke two headsets. Yeah. Then it was a third one, and he's got one ear that works, one doesn't. Jay Binkley, the uh, destroyer of headphones. Well, we got these new chairs in here. And they go yeah. right the same level as the... Uh, blame the chairs. Well, I'm, blame, it was the chair, the man. Chairs. It was the damn chair, man. Did you get to watch any golf today? Uh, a little bit. Not as much as uh, as yesterday, but uh, Tiger, Tiger's still in it. So he right. made the cut. All right. He made the cut. Yeah. And that, that, that's huge. He's, he made the cut. Or he's, he's going to. I mean, it's plus four is the projected cut. He's at uh, plus one now for the tournament. So he'll be in. Scotty Scheffler, by the way, is just tearing up the course. This guy's already won three of the last five tour events. Eight under, man. He's minus eight, five-stroke lead. I mean, this guy is called on fire. I mean, he, he he's pretty much taking it already, right? That's where we're at. Well, he's basically a young hey. player on the tour, and he's gone and uh, just completely wiped out. He had never won before. Then he won the waste management. He's won uh, three tournaments since then, or two since then, total of three. So there, what you're saying is there's no point in paying any more attention at all this weekend. No, right? I think there definitely is. It's just Tiger will to see still him. be playing. Yeah. yeah. Tiger, Tiger will be the reason. He could move on moving day tomorrow. We'll see if he can get himself up. See right. if uh, Scheffler can come down a little bit. But it's minus three and stuff like that. And you got Tiger Woods just sitting right there at plus one. It's not like he's completely out of the realm on everything, you know, which is which for him, as we talked about, he was, he was uh, bedridden for three months. He was on crutches for two months. So just for the fact that he's out there is a major accomplishment. Well, not only that, but he made the cut. Yeah, because we, 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 we thought we were going to be done with the guy. Yeah. You know, we thought we were going to be done with Tiger Woods, which really sucked. But here he is in the Masters tournament. So gave us something to do today without the Royals. It's true. I was sad. No, no Royals. Today. Well, I understand why they do it. Yeah. It's weird they're not playing on Friday night. It's weird that the season finally started and they're not playing on Friday night. But this is the way they do it. They do it just in case yesterday's weather was bad, which it was. But they can always move. They can always move, you know, the tournament or the uh, game to Friday tonight if they had to, and they'll play this weekend. It's a four-game series, so they'll play Monday as well. So no Bobby Witt on court today. 
And it would have been nice tomorrow, to see though. tonight. Tomorrow you can see some Bobby Witt. And I think by Sunday it's going to be, what, 70 degrees in this town? That's right. Beautiful. It's going to be completely different than the way it has been the last two days. But the big talk was Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, that was still the talk today, Julio. You and I got a chance to talk about it just right after Vern yesterday. But that was still the, quite the talk around town. I don't know if you were out and about and everybody talking about Bobby Witt Jr., but it was certainly prevalent where I was everywhere I went. Yeah, that was uh, that was the, the talk around the uh, the water cooler in the office today, for sure. I mean, it completely was. And then, sure. the, then I, I know CDOT was talking a lot about the attendance as, as far as the way the attendance was. It was cold, man. It was It cold. was. And, and I don't know knew it was going to be. And I don't know if I can completely blame everybody. I did retweet something that's kind of funny. It's the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. They called today a sellout, and they blocked off the whole upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> they blocked off the whole 300. You can see it on Twitter there. I retweeted it. Uh, somebody covers the Rays, so they he had a little alert. They called it a sellout, but they didn't let anybody in the 300s. So nobody in the upper deck, so they call it a sellout. That team won 100 games last year. It's a great organization, too. That's what's the most well, I mean, they, they won 40 out of 60 that year that Always there was a shortened season in 96 and 90. Basically, three of the last four years, they've won at least 90 games. They won 100 last year that one year was truncated because there's only 60 games, but they still won 40 and went to the playoffs. Yeah, that's what happens when you build your franchise in a a city full of old people. But maybe, Transplants. But maybe baseball's just got an attendance problem. Maybe it's not oh, anything. Yeah, for sure. I know yeah. some people say with well, the lockout. I don't know if the lockout really bothers a lot of people. I, I, I think people kind of understood what they were doing, and I think that they got the reason they got the season going, people were satisfied with that. The fact that they just missed a week. Missed a week of baseball. It's not like it lasted a month or two months, and you know they, they're not playing the game. They did play the game, and it was a lot of posturing from both sides. And it's hard to take sides between millionaires and billionaires when it comes to this. But I think most people kind of took the player side to some extent, but they got the deal done. Yep. We thought it was going to be done earlier. Wasn't it was you know split a little bit longer? But they're make up all the games. They're still going to play one sixty two. But I don't think the lockout is the problem. Just like the strike in ninety four, where it took a lot of people. You know, time to get back, but maybe it's Major League Baseball. It, I, no. you're you're right. It it is baseball. I mean, look, you're always going to have your diehard baseball fans, right? That's always going to be a thing. But those that I think majority of people are kind of lukewarm on baseball already. So the the fact that they're going through this this whole strike process, I mean, people are already kind of tuning baseball out, and that just gave them more of a reason to. Which which sucks. I mean, I'm excited it about does. it. I was sitting there watching MLB Network till I don't know. Midnight, 1 a.m., maybe even later than that. They had the uh, Orioles and Angels hard. on. Well, not not Orioles, the Angels and Astros. That game was on. Then Quick Pitch was on, and we can watch the highlights around the league. It was exciting because it was opening day, but I watched it anyway. Like, I watch Quick Pitch a lot because I like to watch the highlights of the different games. Mark Cuban, by the way, had, uh, said that baseball suited for the TikTok generation, which goes against what baseball is. It's the older generation that watches baseball. Right, it's the older generation that does it, and I told you last year, you know, when they they limited attendance and they got more and more and more, and people just got used to doing other stuff. Like the year before, no fans were allowed into the games, and I was always wondering how it was going to be at baseball. Were fans just going to go right back to it, or did they go out by that big screen TV and just chill out like you did, and just build your man cave up in your basement, have all sorts of TVs, and just be content with doing that instead of going to the ballpark? You mean just? Watch it in a climate-controlled environment with 
your own beer and food. And well, TV's gotten better. High I mean, quality. 100%. But if you can find the beats game, though. the ballpark, you know? but good weather helps the experience of baseball. Yeah, I think there would have been quite a bit more people had the weather been nice yesterday. Here was. Uh, I do. Well, you think so? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. Here was Josh Vernier when he was on at uh, 3 o'clock on the drive. His. He kind of breaks down why he thinks there was attendance issues at the game. If I was a fan, I would have because of the Bobby Witt Jr., I, I, if I could have afforded it. So the, the, but I understand those. Okay, you, you don't want to deal with it. Fine. Okay, so, so the weather, I, I can get with that. You know, I, I went grocery shopping for the first time uh, since getting back to KC. I think everything's a dollar more expensive than it normally is. So I understand it's also just a, a different, uh, you know, the, it, it's hard out here for some people, understandably. And then uh, this is also baseball's doing uh, because I, I know my, my wife asked, hey, should I go to opening day? I go, no, just wait and go Saturday or Sunday and you'll spend you know, a third as much. It, it, it'll be so much cheaper. Baseball does this because you can always go, well, there are 80 more opportunities to go. And I have to imagine 60 of the remaining 80. It's going to be really nice outside. So so just wait there. This, to me, is at the core of the issue for Major League Baseball is there's way too much supply for how little demand there is for this game. So I, I think it's all, uh, all, all of those ingredients turn into a, a generous 28,000 at the ballpark yesterday. So 28,000 at the ballpark yesterday. And, you know, you look around Major League Baseball and there's been an issue, like, except you don't know if, what teams are pulling something or not. It's like the Rays saying it's a sellout. No, you get the 300 blocked off. You might as well move that team. No one sports it there. I've been saying move the Oakland A's to oh, Vegas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about uh, throw the Rays in that too? And the best offer wins. A's or Oakland going to Vegas. Mark Cuban has an idea. He says baseball for the TikTok generation, which they need. Like they need the younger generation. This idea isn't that bad. I think baseball is well suited for the TikTok generation because you, it comes in small bites, you know, and using a TikTok-like AI-driven approach, you could um, create an application where, you know, you're, you're, you know, you could be living in Dallas and be a Rangers fan, but if a haunt um, came up or your favorite player came up, you could just, you know, you'd have an app where you'd be swiping in, you know, those plate appearances or those pitches, or anytime someone was, you know, in a close game. There's so many ways that baseball could use technology to present the game that they don't. And then I would also push to speed the game up, like no throwing the ball around the horn. You know, I would, I would go away from some of the traditions. I would make my the players do bat flips, you know, engage them on the bat, bat flip. Things that, you know, might get the ball thrown at you, but you'd have to talk to the players first to say, look, you know, if we want to change this game and, and get kids excited again, we're going to have to make changes. And I, I, you know, the stuff that they did, you know, putting a runner on second base, seven inning double headers, to me, that was just really ridiculous. So there's Mark Cuban's uh, thoughts on getting the younger generation. I do like that idea of that. I don't necessarily know TikTok, but uh, the idea to get to whenever your batter's up, like a lot of times you set these apps for it, it'll show you the game time starts, when their scores, you can set it up however you want. Like if you use the Yahoo app, so to speak, with the Royals, if you want to, you can get it's like a text message every time the Royals score. You can get an update. You can get when the game starts, when the game ends. You can look at the final score. But just updates when, let's say, you want to watch Bobby Witt Jr. bat. Or Bally's with, with the Bally's app where the game is shown. But get an update all the time 
for when Bobby Witt Jr. is up at the plate. This uh, this is exactly why they they won't let Mark Cuban own a Major League Baseball t- baseball team because he's too progressive for the game. I, I I like the idea. I'm not sure some of those ideas he threw out there. I'm not sure I'm a fan of no throwing around the horn. I I like that. That's part of baseball. But I understand where he's coming from with, with speeding up the game. But it does need to be. They need to embrace technology more. That's 100% true. And those are, I like his idea. Well, they are embracing technology They're a little there. bit, though. Did you They're see, did you notice Perez had the uh, yeah. the new uh, sign-stealing device? It was about time. Where he wasn't, they didn't have to put the fingers down there because Zach Grinke had a little earpiece in the back of his hat to where it was like uh, when he would push it, you can do it in English or Spanish, and he could push, you know, like knuckleball or fastball inside or whatever, and then the pitcher hears it. Like in college baseball, they have the rest in the uh, from the dugout. The manager will push a button for what kind of pitch he wants to see, and the catcher doesn't do anything. Catcher used to look at the dugout for the signals and then show the signals to the pitcher. Well, they've sped games up doing that. Well, well this is a great idea for baseball. Now, when great. there's a man on second, they, they they switch to doing that. When he's not, when there's no man on second, they kind of use the signals more that way. And some pitchers use it and some don't. It's optional whether they use it or not. Now, the, the uh, catcher has the receiver in his helmet as well. And one of the problems has been, well, if the pitcher wants to, like Zagarinki likes to call his own pitches, he could uh, signal to the catcher what it is. And then three other guys have the signals. Like three other guys have it in their, in their helmet. Usually your middle infielders, like your shortstop, your second baseman, your center fielder for positional alignments to what pitch yeah. he's throwing, and they can make the adjustment. But some teams are using this technology, and it is speeding the game up. It uh, it only took baseball a gigantic cheating scandal for, for them to make changes and and kind of push more technology technology towards their sport, right? Well, it's the they, only way they decided they wanted to make some advancements. Well, they're trying some stuff like the uh, man, the uh, umpire down talking about the replay review. I don't know if you noticed that or seen that. Electronic, but they turned the mic on. Zone. Yeah, but what, they, they, they we're getting to that. Uh, they might as well just they're just testing it, it out at different levels. Yeah, do it already. But because people have a real problem with the way balls and strikes are called. Yeah, because it's inconsistent. Because it's an ump show. It depends on the ump. And people always complain about the ump. This would kind of take it out of it. How they feel that day. But at least the umpire's explaining what's going on. He's explaining the replay now with the microphone. Yeah, they're starting to hold them a little more accountable. Yeah, a little more accountable. A little more accountable so they can get out there and say exactly what happened and why the uh, replay is going the way it is. But they're trying different advancements. But it would be cool to see your favorite hitter up at the plate. Yeah. I don't know how they do that or how the money would be if you'd just pay half a subscription or whatever for it because you're not watching the whole game. You're just watching that particular hitter play. Or you're notified when that particular player is going to come up to bat and you can just watch it on your app, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a million ways to do it. It's just you have to do it. It is. And I know people have talked about you know not being able to find the games or – you know, needing valleys and some some cable companies have it. You still can't find but, it on TV. I mean, it's still hard to find on TV. Um, I use the I have the app on the phone, so you can watch it on there. But who wants to sit there and watch your phone all the time? I mean, it's nice when you're on the road and you're out and about. But I listen to it on the radio more than I do hearing yeah. it on TV. If I'm you know bouncing from here to there, or whatever, until I can get somewhere and watch it. But that pitch technology thing was interesting. Yeah, that I they love were it. using yesterday. So I do like that. It saves you from the, the sign stealing that other teams do. And I guarantee you teams will use it against the Astros. Until somebody figures out how to work that system too, then you need to change it up. But, I mean, like you're going to have ones, you know, 
trial and error, things that succeed, things that don't, but they at least have to try, which they're starting to. So good for baseball. Until teams find a way to They'll find uh, a way to cheat to uh, intercept the signals. Yeah, uh, just like Belichick, New England, how he uh, shuts off they they shut off the uh, opponents. Allegedly, they'll shut off the opponents' uh, head coaches' uh, headset. What's what's your what's your favorite saying when it comes to that? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's it. So, Hester's just tried harder, right? Uh, he tried real, and they're still getting booed. Really and like worked, they're still getting booed. I mean, they're they were far removed. <laughs> they're still. I was watching the Angels game. They're still like Altuve is still hearing it every time he goes at the plate. Have you? And have he you, probably always will. Have you heard the uh, the recent Beltron interview where he talks about oh, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, we we might need to play that tonight. That's a that's a great interview. Him yeah. explaining the whole reasoning behind why they cheated. Yeah, we can get to that. It cost right. him a managerial job. Yeah, it cost Beltron that. But uh, anyway, I have a. A uh, talking draft at seven thirty with uh, Thor Nystrom, who does a lot of uh, draft coverage stuff for NBC Edge, and then at six thirty, time to uh, go around the horn. The AFC West. We did uh, Denver the other night. We'll do Vegas tonight in their offseason plans. No one's talking about the Raiders. Vegas only gave me eight and a half wins. You know, people are expecting more because Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones in Vegas right now. Is it enough to be competitive in this division? We'll discuss that later. But coming up next, John Sherman, who was with Fesco in the morning, said some interesting things, and I'll get to a text here that goes right into what we're going to talk about next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Big Night. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez, talking Vegas Raiders coming up at 630 as we tour the AFC West. Our phone number, 913-576-7610. Jay Southland, Toe Service text line, same number, 913-576-7610. Speaking of Eltron, I still got the audio we'll play too, where he was uh, basically uh, spilling the beans on a new Aaron Judge contract. Yeah, yeah. oops. Well, I think he was right that they were probably going to get it done, and he probably thought he'd take it. He was offered $230 million extension. Should have put him about $30 million a year, which would have been the most ever for New York Yankee. But it's still not Mike but Trout. It's still not Mike Trout land. What, what had happened was... Even Votto makes... Well, Votto makes a little bit less than that, but uh, um, I think Cabrera makes more than that, but he's a lot more accomplished player. But he turned it down. It was a seven-year, $213 million extension Paired with 17 in arbitration this year, he wants more than that. He wants 21, I think, and Yankees are offered him 17, and they're haggling about that. And 230 million was what the total contract would be. Pretty good for a guy that misses a lot of games. I was just going to say that for a guy that's injured a lot. That I mean, good for him. I mean, at the end of the day, Yankees are going to pay him, so they're not going to let him go anywhere. So you don't think so? Because no. he talks about being a free agent. He's done. No. Once the season started, he's done talking about it. No. I mean, he can say that, but the Yankees are the Yankees, and they have the money, they'll pay him. Kind of reminds me of Mattingly back in the day when they – I don't know if you watched that Mattingly series the other night. George Brett was all over it. No. It's pretty good. Pretty good. But Aaron Judge, his most games ever played, 155 back in 2017. 2018, 112. 2019, 102. 2020, 28, but that was uh, limited yep. because of uh, the season. But still at 60 games, he only plays 28. <laughs> yeah, that's still bad. And then last year, 148 games. So, yeah. 
It's not the most dependable. It's gambling on yourself in a big way. Uh, what if he gets hurt, hurt again this year and someone's like, nah. But someone will pay it, though. Someone like, will someone pay will it. pay Someone's going to pay it. Because someone wants Aaron Judge. And it will be the Yankees. But it's just weird because Aaron Judge, you know, I mean, it's, he's always hurt, but what are you going to do if he's not playing? But so, like I said, someone will pay it. Well, he's essentially the face of the Yankees. I mean, they've kind of put him to the forefront the last couple years. I mean, they're going to let their the, the face of their franchise walk? It's, it's like Trout. He's starting to get banged up now. Remember, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't play last year after yeah. May 17th with the calf string. You know, they're paying over $40 million a year for Mike Trout. He's the best behind him. Ooh. That's the question people have to ask. Like, are you paying for the best behind somebody or before? What's it really done having Otani and Trout for the Angels? Like, unless you get pitching, which they have, you know, help their bullpen, but what what does it help you when it spends smart money? That's what the Kansas City Royals have been able to do. They won a World Series spending smart money. You don't have to do like the A's and just clean everybody out that makes any kind of money at all and have a $33 million <laughs> payroll or be the Orioles or, and have a sub $30 million payroll. Or the Reds. Which is ridiculous because it's less than what they spent in 1991. John Sherman, though, yesterday was with Fesco in the morning, said that he'll spend money when the time is right. You know, the objective, I think, since we got here is to be uh, to uh, develop consistently and be competitive and do it on a sustainable basis. But, you know, build a core nucleus first, which I think we're getting there. Uh, and when the time is right, we will certainly spend the money to make sure we can compete at the highest level. So far, I mean, I like that. I like everything John Sherman sure. has to say. And he paid all the minor leaguers during the pandemic. A lot of people didn't. Like, a lot of people didn't. Teams didn't pay that. He did pay that. And he wasn't making the money because he didn't have attendance. So, yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure you still make money on TV revenue and everything else. And really, attendance, it helps, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's end not all. where they make their... It's not. Right? It's not the end-all, be-all. Nope. Text line asked me what I think about the stadium... The, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium moving to Kansas. Well, no, it's just talk at this point. Just talk at this point. I hope they keep it right where it's at. Build a little another stadium right there. If the Royals move downtown, which I was never on board with this, but I am 100% on board with this now. They move the stadium downtown. Chiefs put a new arrowhead because it is the third oldest in the NFL right there. Truman Sports Complex and add a nice Chiefs Plaza. I'd be for that. But as far as moving the Royals downtown, John Sherman spoke to uh, Bob and uh, Josh Klingler about that and some of the input he's getting on a downtown stadium. You know, for the most part, positive, you know, I, I, but, you know, certainly uh, there's a lot of nostalgia about Kauffman Stadium, and I have it too. You know, we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. uh, I was here uh, watching the team in the late 70s, you know, obviously 80, 85, exciting years, the way this new expansion team kind of came out of the blocks. It was incredible. And then the 14 and 15 run. But um, and so I got a lot of nostalgia for this uh, this ballpark. In fact, I'm sitting here in the Diamond Club looking at it right now. It's a beautiful place to play baseball. And and you know when Ewing Kaufman and Lamar Hunt put these two stadiums side by side out here, single sports venues, it was really an innovative project. It was it was something you know we were we were still playing football and baseball in the same park. The you know the guys were. Uh, three yards in a cloud of dust was really defined when you were in the baseball team's infield. But, um, but so, but, you know, things have changed relative, particularly for baseball. I believe there's just so much opportunity when you think about 81 nights a year, 
to create vibrancy, economic opportunity, economic growth, quality of life in, in cities like ours. And, and a club like this is, you know, so important to the community. And, you know, we're one of only 25 cities in the U.S. with a major league baseball franchises franchise. So these are really, really valuable assets. And we want to make sure that we put this franchise in the best place to serve, you know, a lot of different aspects of the community while also preparing us to compete for a championship. So I think I get, I get that same mixed bag, but as time goes on, I'm hearing more, uh, more positive things. And I think, you know, it's interesting uh, when the chiefs, the chiefs comment last week about, you know, at least looking on the other side of the state line. I think that has changed the conversation a little bit uh, from my perspective to maybe not talking about, is there enough parking downtown and things like this to, how are we going to make sure we keep these two great franchises here for the next 50 years? And, and here you're talking about the state of Missouri as opposed to letting the Chiefs, you know, move across the state line to Kansas. Yeah, I think I think that discussion, I think that when that entered the discussion last week or whenever it was when Mark Donovan uh, spoke to some folks in at the owners meeting, I think it's what I've been hearing is, yeah, how do we make sure these two great franchises remain here you know, literally for decades to come. And I, and I think about it as we've been here 50 years. Uh, how do we make sure they both stay here for the next 50 years? Yeah, that's funny. All of a sudden, nobody cares about parking anymore when they sense somebody may move to Kansas, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, what There's the... plenty of parking down there, by the way. Plenty of parking down there. We'll see. Here's the thing, Julio. I, I've seen downtown where there's no events, just like the Sprint Center. Like, if you go that power and light, like when there's no events or concerts going on, it's it's a ghost town, man. It is? It, it's a ghost town. Now, parking, I mean, we can laugh about parking and say people are too concerned about parking and everything else, but I know a lot of people that just won't go if there's nowhere to park. Now that they supposedly have places to park, people are always concerned about that and price. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, if you're going to go to a lot of games, I think you take that into consideration. Now, if you're a tourist and you come into town and you're going to games, that's fun. You can go to the bars, you can go to the restaurants, you can walk to the game or whatever. But if you live in the suburbs and you're going to a lot of games, it becomes more of a pain to find that spot unless there is a plethora of parking. We'll see. We'll see. Like they say there will be, but show me first. Eh, I mean, there there really is a decent amount of parking down there. You have the rail car down there, so you can, you know, that'll be it. I'm assuming they'll put it somewhere close to to that. It, it needs right? to be more by the urban core, yeah, or yeah. more the uh, where the population. Excuse me, like the Braves, they moved, they just built Turner Field '96 there in a new stadium because they moved the stadium to where the population is to make it easier for them to go to games. Easier to get to, and it's more it's more centrally located. Like I, I know it, 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 living in Johnson County before, it, it was a bit of a hassle having to drive all the way out to the stadium. I mean, when you when you're going to a Royals game or a Chiefs game, you're going just for the game. At least now it's a little closer to you, maybe potentially, right? And you can go there, you can get dinner, you can have drinks, you can do it before, you can do it after. There's other reasons to go to the game other than just going to the game. Unless you make sense. it a special event yeah. and not all the time. Yeah. Like you get people going to the K all the time. Yeah. We'll be more limited now because you're going downtown, you're spending more money. Part, I mean, it's things to consider. Potentially, yeah, potentially. More places for you to spend money. Which at the K right now, you just walk in the stadium, eat their food if that's what you're going to do or yeah, whatever. That's that. But instead of going to bars and restaurants and stuff like that, I mean, you have decisions to make. Well, in this economy, who knows? I mean, it sounds good. As long as the team can make more money and spend more money, that's great. 
But you need people to repetitively go to games. That's what you need. We'll talk to Scott Gobranson about the Raiders next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Bakley, Julio Sanchez. The tour around the AFC West continues. We've talked Denver Broncos with Andy Lindhall. We're talking Chargers on Monday night. Tonight we talk Las Vegas Raiders. With uh, Scott Gobranson from SB tonight, 1090, the mightier 1090, and 98, the fan in Las Vegas. Scott, what's up, my friend? Big, how are you doing, my man? Happy Friday to you and yours. You know what? Happy Friday to you, Scott, that uh, football season continues. I don't know what you're going to do on draft night with the Raiders' five picks. The first pick's, what, 86 in the third round? Yeah, not a lot of excitement up front, but I'll tell you what, uh, the, the offseason clearly with the new regime in town with GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels. They've been super busy, so the Raiders fans and Raider Nation all across the world have had plenty to talk about and plenty to get excited about. Well, there's a lot to be excited about, and I I don't know if the uh, the consensus is, oh, it's going to be the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and you sit there and think, well, the Raiders are the other team in this division to make the playoffs. You know what? Those other teams that made it, the Raiders did. And then they go out and add Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones and new head coach. And you can arguably say they're better. Yeah, no question. I mean, clearly the AFC West, uh, everybody uh, kind of got into an arms race there as far as improving their teams and, and making it, you know, arguably the, the, it could be the best division in football. But, I mean, again, you start with uh, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels coming over from the Patriots. Listen, those guys have six Super Bowl rings. Six. Not one. They have six. And so I think that's that's a little bit of, of a understatement that the, the Raiders will be better. I think that uh, people are, are, are looking at their recent history and the kind of history of the Raiders over the last 20 years, actually, and discounting them. But I think that's what the Raiders want. I mean, when they went out, they've addressed almost every single need that they had. You talked about on defense with uh, Chandler Jones coming in to, to pair with Max Crosby, who is a superstar in this league, and just got his extension. They traded uh, Yannick Ngakwe for a young, good cornerback, which is an, another issue they had they had to address. They got Rocky Asin from the Indianapolis Colts. Then uh, on the defensive front, too, on the inside, that was trouble for them last year. They signed Vernon Butler. They signed Kyle uh, Peck. They signed uh, Jayon Brown. They signed also... Um, uh, Daron Harmon and Darius Phillips, the cornerback from the, the, the AFC Championship Bengals. So you look at what this uh, team has done, what they've been able to do to address most of their needs. They've addressed almost every single one of them. The big one, of course, still being the offensive line. No, and the question, you know, you talk about Ziegler coming over from the Patriots and Josh McDaniels. Do you think they'll do a lot of business like the Patriots? Is this another team that will follow in that mold of New England and how they did things? Well, I think so with their own touch, right? I mean, they both talked about it openly uh, with us in the media and said, listen, yeah, of course, you know, we learned a lot in New England. And what wouldn't you want to take from uh, a team that has won six Super Bowls? I mean, you, you look at that and say, hey, yeah, you got to do business that way. But at the same time, these are their own men and they have their own spin on things. Uh, and obviously, I mean, even the trade for Devontae Adams, is that something you'd see Bill Belichick doing? Not necessarily, uh, but this team needed that. And so I think they're taking the system and they're adjusting it to their new environment in Las Vegas and their new team, the Raiders, and, and using it. But, but both those guys have been very successful. And, 
you know, just like a Fortune 500 co- company, if you're going to go hire a new executive to run your business, don't you want somebody who was at one of those big companies that turned a profit and did well? And the answer is yes. So I think uh, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, really put his trust in these two guys. And so far, of course, you got to play the game on the field. But so far, they've come in and they're putting into play their plan, their vision for what this roster is going to look like. It seems like they're doing just completely opposite of Mike Mayock because he was so big <laughs> into doing things through the draft. And, you know, you look at Max Crosby's draft class, great draft class the following year. You know, it's different because two of the number one picks, or first round picks, they had two that year, and Henry Ruggs and David Arnett, both of them not on the team anymore. So is that kind of what they've done and said, you know what, instead of the draft, because they're not really valuing the draft this year. They've gone free agent heavy. Is that just a complete shift of what you thought? Well, I, no. I, I, I expected it a little more. I mean, I expected a little more balance. I did not think I was one of the, the people the fans hated uh, for saying that I didn't think Devontae Adams was somebody that they had to go get, nor would they get him. And, of course, they proved me wrong. <laughs> but if you look, at, you look at what happened here, I mean, this is a team that, to be fair, backed into the playoffs with 10 wins. And they, they should have really beat the Bengals uh, in their home stadium in that first wild card game, right? So, so the, the, if, you're, if you're Ziegler and McDaniels and you come into this thing knowing what this division is going to be like and saying, you know what, this team is not – it's not a three-win team. It's not a team that you can say, boy, we got a couple good pieces, but everything's got to be redone. Uh, so we need to start with a, a youth movement and go out and draft everybody. Um, I think they looked at it and said, you know what, we're closer, and if we're going to compete – with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos in the division, we got to try to win now. We can't wait another three or four years. Uh, it might be too late by then. And, and plus, you got a quarterback in Derek Carr who they're still working on an extension with. You know, he's in year eight, so he's probably got another three year window to where he'll be as effective as he is. And so I think they looked at that and said, you know, we got to take advantage of it and try to win now. What is the Derek Carr situation at this point? Well, you know, we've heard a lot about the extension and that Carr is willing to take a little less money, uh, you know, between 28 and $35 million a year. Other numbers have it up at 40 uh, And I think it's just a matter of time. I think they're going to get it done. They've committed to him, uh, obviously, with the moves they've made uh, and with the lack of any true, I think, superstar quarterback in this draft. Uh, you're not going to go get a young player and have somebody come in. They didn't go out and sign a veteran to compete with Derek Carr. It's his job. I think Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler said, you know what, we're going to give him the keys again, uh, uh, unfettered for the next three years, probably give him a three-year extension, give him a bunch of money up front, uh, and let him have an opportunity to win. Because that's what I've always said about Derek Carr. And I think a lot of people have said about Derek Carr. Is he a top-five quarterback? No. But is he a quarterback that if you surround him with every piece that he needs, he can go out and win for you? And I think the answer is yes, and I think that's what they're doing. You know the funny thing, you you say that, but the 2014 uh, quarterback class that Derek Carr was in, you know, it was Mm -hmm. Bortles in the first round. It was Johnny Manziel in the first round. It was Teddy Bridgewater in the first round. And the best quarterback above the bunch was Derek Carr in the second round. But when you look at this division, Scott, and we're talking to Scott Branson about the Vegas Raiders and Scott, when you look at this division with Russell Wilson now added to the equation in Denver and Justin Herbert obviously uh, was held back by his head coach going for it all the time uh, and not making the postseason. But Russell Wilson didn't really, you know, blow me away last year. I mean, he had DK Metcalf under 1,000 yards uh, last year. That wasn't really impressive. And I know that line 
in Seattle was bad last year. But, again, Denver's got a great roster. I just felt they needed a new head coach and new quarterback, and we'll see what the coach does, um, Nathaniel Hackett, as far as the Denver Broncos. But when you look at these quarterbacks in this division, where would you put Derek Carr? Boy, I, you know, I, I'm going to put him third, and I'll tell you why. Only because of the now. Now, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, I, that's who I would put it for. Only because Justin Herbert, of course, had the amazing rookie year. Last year, he had a good year to your point. They faltered down the end. Uh, but at the end of the season, it was Derek Carr versus Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr won that ball game. Derek Carr got his team in the playoffs. Justin Herbert has not. So I think if you look at it right now, now, long-term, is Justin Herbert going to be a better quarterback than Derek Carr? I believe that is true. Uh, but he hasn't done anything yet. So I think you got to look at Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr hasn't won a playoff game either. Uh, but I look at what he's been able to do uh, with what he's had and the turmoil he's had in his franchise. And I think you got to put him there, especially with the years of experience. But I'll tell you what, this is going to be not for the old reasons we used to call the NFC uh, Central, the, the old black and blue division. I think this division, with these quarterbacks, it's going to depend on the week, Big, on, on what team's going to look the best, what quarterback you're going to say is the best quarterback in the division based on how those teams are playing because they're going to beat up on each other. The entire AFC is phenomenal. And so it's going to be another. I can't wait for it to start. No, it's going to be a lot of fun, Scott. And, you know, with Devontae Adams, you know, that really it was twofold for the Raiders. It was a good move for the Raiders because it's Devontae Adams, he's best wide receiver in the NFL, but it also cost the Chiefs Tyree Kill. You know, they were going to sign yep. that contract with him. Devontae gets that money, and he's like, whoa, hold on just a second. So, in essence, the Raiders did get over on the Chiefs because he probably would have signed his contract if not for the Raiders pulling this deal. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That domino sure fell, didn't it? And it, it had ripple effects throughout the league. And we saw it uh, with the Diggs contract, too. We saw a bunch of things happen. But you're right. I mean, I think that's the thing that you go back to Mike Mayock uh, a couple of years ago. And he said, listen, if we're not building this team to upend the Chiefs, then we're in the wrong business. And I think uh, when Ziegler and McDaniels came in, they knew that, too. And so they went out and they said, hey, we got to have a guy. And then certainly Hill leaving the Chiefs. And then, of course, you know, listen, there's no questioning the amazing ability and talent of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but to, to, to upset Chiefs fans, I got to say, like Patrick Mahomes still, by talent-wise, best quarterback, I believe, behind Aaron Rodgers in the league. But I, I want to see him get better, and I haven't seen him get better. And it's certainly not going to help him not having Tyreek Hill. Can we all thank the Chargers and, Bra and Brandon Staley for uh, his going forward all the time? Because <laughs> both the Chiefs no and the Raiders benefited with his uh, philosophy. No kidding, and and you got to look at that situation and say, boy, you know, it, it was kind of a novelty. It was, oh, you got to love this coach. He's got the guts and the cojones to go yeah. for it. Uh, but then it became kind of a, 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 a just a joke, and it became hubris uh, for Brandon Staley. I mean, yeah. look, you, in the NFL, you're not going to be here for long if you keep doing that. Yeah, and Brandon Staley found himself watching the playoffs like we did. Exactly. <laughs> going by That's his right. by his studies. Uh Scott, it's always good to catch up with you. We love catching up with you during the regular season. Uh enjoyed the conversation tonight. Uh cannot wait for us to talk uh, real football. Uh but you know, we got the draft and OTAs and training camp. We'll be talking about regular season before we know it. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait to talk to you here in a few weeks on our own show about the draft. We'll get you on the talk. Let's do it. We got twelve picks, man. That's it's right. taking forever to do my mock drafts. <laughs> it's taking forever. <laughs> All right, Scott, we'll take, t uh, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you later. You guys all take care out there. Thanks. There you go. Scott Branson right there. Hey.
He, he, that's reason to be excited. Now the draft's going to suck for the right. They have five picks. Now they, they don't pick till the third round. That's their first, that's their first selection. Number 86 in the third round, but Mayock was all about building through the draft. And now it's been Chandler Jones. It's been um, Devontae Adams. So we'll see if it pays off. But again, it's Derek Carr. He's never won a playoff game, but I'll give him, he, at least he did go. Now they could have beat the Bengals. I wish they would have, but they had a chance to beat the Bengals. Are we? Uh, we we are going to discuss his uh, putting Carr over. Yeah, Herbert. I can't even say it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, we're going to discuss this, right? We'll uh, we'll get out the okay. uh, we'll get okay. out and shine that one next. Okay. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, six ten Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Happy Friday, Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez. So we put Derek Carr ahead of Herbert. He he did. Confidently, by the way. You know, I, I'm okay with I'm okay with anybody running their mouth over another team. Like seriously, like, I'm here for it. You know, the Mahomes thing, I wouldn't accept that and I wouldn't tolerate it. But you know, if he wants to say Carr's better than Herbert, I'm I'm here for that because I'm going to bring on the Chargers guy Monday night who's going to say that Herbert's head and shoulders above Carr. I can already tell you what's going to happen there. I mean, I feel like you should bring this up and let's let's start a fight. Let's start a oh, I am. Fight, right? I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up Monday night to the guy from the Chargers, Gilbert Manzano, and ask him what he thinks. And I also want to talk about Brandon Staley and why he always goes for two if he's going to shift his philosophy just a little bit. Yeah. He yeah. got a lot of run for that. I remember yeah. Brian Greasy on Monday Night Football, and I'm glad, so. he's, I'm glad he's not on Monday Night Football anymore, but he was crowning Justin Herbert early in the season. People crowned Justin Everyone Herbert. Everyone was last Our year. Our text line crowned yeah. Justin Herbert. People at the station. Chiefs haters crowned Justin People Herbert. People at the station yes. crowned the Chargers. People <clears> uh, People nationally have been crowning the Chargers each and every year. They've been crowned more than anything. They've been crowned by by more people than I can ever think of a team that sits on their couch and eats popcorn and watches the NFL playoffs like the Chargers do. I've never seen a team crowned like they've been crowned. And they'll be crowned again this year as well. Extra playoff team. There's a lot of people probably picking them to win the division. Now, I know Vegas really likes um, the Chargers, the Broncos. They like the Chiefs Playoffs. the most in the AFC West, but they don't like the Raiders. Eight and a half wins for the Raiders. If they can carry that with them, everybody's disrespecting them because they are. Because people will say, and I, I think right now, I would take Derek Carr last out of all the quarterbacks in the division. I think everyone outside of the Raiders fan base would probably say that, and probably a lot of the Raiders fans would say that, too. But I'm not going to go out here and say Russell Wilson had a great year. Yeah, he's won the Super Bowl and been to another one. But yeah, but he's got a better track record. No, <laughs> he's, he's been there, but it's been a minute since he's been. And again, he had DK Metcalf last year, and he didn't have 1,000 yards. But he is one of the most sacked I mean, quarterbacks the big, in the last three years. Halfway through the season last year, last year he was in the race for MVP, right? Until yeah, he got two hurt. years ago, but he until he got he hurt his hurt finger, then he tried to play with it. So and I give him credit. He's a tough guy. Yeah, he's a tough guy. I'll give him credit for that. But uh, Russell Wilson will see what he does in Denver again. That has a chance to be a very explosive offense. It does completely explode. Javante Williams at running back. Yeah, love that kid, man. And Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, both have extensions. You got Jerry Judy, one of the best route runners in Denver. Alberto will be their tight end because they did trade off Noah Fant. Andy, Andy said they didn't like Noah Fan. I always saw Noah Fan as a good pass catching tight end, but 
he was ripping on him, man. The guy covering the Denver Broncos. Because I was a little bit surprised they got rid of Noah Fant so yeah. easily, but they did. Now, he I, didn't block. I don't, I don't think that system last year. But a lot was, of tight ends don't. Yeah. When you play for a de- defensive-minded coach, I'm sure they don't go out of out of their way to throw the, the tight end the ball. The, my, my biggest problem with Derek Carr, he has not won a game when it's less than 40 degrees starting with. And I think some of that, yeah. some of that is some of the teams he's been on. And I think his performance at times isn't the best. But Derek Carr has those numbers. I mean, he's putting up numbers. Like, he does put up numbers. And he is playing in a dome. The key for the Raiders is to get home games in the postseason, not playing the cold. Control the environment and have him play in that dome instead of being out playing outside. Problem is, they're in the toughest division in the NFL. It is the toughest division. Do we we see a... Different Derek Carr, an even better Derek Carr, because he had he had a good la- uh, year last year. I mean, he was he was legit. Oh, he did. I mean, fringe top ten right last year as far as quarterbacks go. But do we see him take it to another level now that he has Devontae? I don't know how much. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the best wide. Uh, you yeah, have... it helps because last year of he had helps. He had Henry Ruggs. Just you know, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, it's not. The well, same. Henry Ruggs was a deep threat. Then he's gone out of the league because of you know screwing up. But Derek Carr. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards four straight years. He had the most yards he's ever thrown for last year, 4,800. They did have the extra game, but he was at 4,100 last year. So, yeah, you can look at it. 23 touchdowns to 14 picks last year for Derek Carr. The most he's ever thrown is 32 uh, when they were 7-9 and nine back in 2015. that year? Uh, he threw 13 picks that year. All right, all right. First career, 193 touchdowns, 85 picks. Meh. He's thrown for 31,700 yards. I mean, he's put up numbers. He has. Just, uh, it's pretty easy to do when you are constantly falling behind. Unless you're not great. I mean, 23 touchdowns, 14 picks. I mean, eh, it's not great. AFC West, the best division football. I mean, you agree with that. I mean, I hate to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. 100%. I'll tell you another one I really like is, is AFC North. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. That's going to be a Trubisky is like the apples, orange, pear, Volkswagen. That's a hell of a (laughs) comparison. You know what I'm saying? Like those little tests you did, which one doesn't belong? I got you. It's Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, we'll say people are high on Mitch Trubisky now. His star rose when he was a backup quarterback, and I don't get that. I mean, like his star did yeah. rise by being behind being Josh Allen's clipboard holder. People looked at Trubisky in a different light. Well, because he got ran, his ass got ran out of Chicago. Well, look, I'm not a, a Mitch Trubisky fan at all, right? I, thank, thank goodness he went where he went. Sounds kind of like you are, though. Uh, no, but uh, I'd also say that the uh, the Bears organization is not the most well-run organization in no, the world. They're probably going to ruin Justin Fields. Yeah, and and he didn't have. I guess he had a couple weapons, but nothing to write home about. So I'm not sure he had the best opportunity to succeed in Chicago, but also he's not a great quarterback. So I can't wait for the uh, schedule to come out and get the primetime games. Oh yeah. See how many the AFC West gets. Cause there's almost quite a bit. There's a great matchup at the AFC West almost every year. Yeah. By the way, Russell Wilson last year, Six and eight, 3,113 yards. But again, just 14 games. He missed three. 25 touchdowns, six picks. He had 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions the year before, 4,200 yards. But again, he's always scrambling and running because they 
have have had horrible lines in Seattle. So what I just heard is he had a better season than Derek Carr while missing mm-hmm. several games in having surgery. Well, Derek on his Carr team. had seventeen hundred more yards than him. But how many touchdowns? Uh three more. How many picks? Mm, seven more. Yeah, yeah. I'll take. Uh, but I'll take Russell's numbers. He's dealing with having Devontae Adams now. That's what I'm saying. How much better is he going to be though this year? He better be. And Renfro. Oh. And Renfro really yeah, they got, came. I mean, that's a good possession receiver. They they have some talent in, in some of the most important positions. They have enough talent to beat you. Yeah. If Absolutely. you're not careful, they can beat you. To be a playoff team. Yeah, they, they can beat you. As yeah. the Chargers found out last year, and the Chiefs have found out every once in a while from the Raiders that they can beat them. But coming up next, one of the questions was, well, again, react. he said, has Mahomes gotten better? And the text line says that too. Yes, he's gotten better, and I'll explain why. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.